0: Uh, authors of the article in an upcoming AGA Journal, which concerns the reimagining of the financial workforce. So I think you'll find it very enlightening. Uh, so without further ado, let's get to the podcast. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm happy today to be speaking with four illustrious colleagues here, and uh, we're going to be speaking about an AGA article that's coming out soon in the uh, Winter Journal. And uh, the name of that article, Reimagining the Financial Management Workforce for Success in an Age of Innovation. Okay, so let's introduce our guests. Uh, Why don't we start over here with David?
1: Good morning. I'm David Fitz. I'm a partner with KPMG's Federal Advisory Practice. And I'm excited about this article because it's about transformation. And that's something we do with our clients every day. Great, and Amy, hello.
2: Hi, I'm Amy Parker. I'm the Chief Learning Officer with the Department of Veterans Affairs. Excited to share this with you as well. Okay, and
0: we have Leroy.
3: Good morning, this is Leroy Larkins, the Associate Deputy Assistant Secretary for the Office of uh, Financial Audit at VA, and just excited about this article because change management is one of those things that are right down my lane And trying to transform an agency from where they are to where you want them to be is a great topic to talk about.
0: Great,
4: and then we also have Sean. Good morning, my name is Sean Vineyard and I'm a partner with 11th Hour Service and and lead our federal services practice and I think what's really exciting me about this article is just the opportunity to think outside of the box with how we can advance the financial management workforce.
0: Great, well let's uh, get right in there Sean, let's start with you. Um, So if you had to describe, you know, what are some of these environmental factors that are driving the need to reimagine our uh, financial management workforce? Yeah, that's a great question. I
4: think primarily it comes down to the need and and desire to uh, attract in and retain high quality talent. And um, I think in the public sector, we're always trying to do that. And so this is really a way to, again, use the foundations of what's provided through OPM and things like that, but add to it and really think of how we can get high quality talent in our organizations and how they continue to add value. Um, I I think kind of on that same note is the the workforce has really changed over the last five or six years Mm -hmm. and so um, it's probably the most (laughs) diverse it's probably the most diverse workforce that we have had in uh, in recent memory and so that means we can't have this uh, one-size-fits-all approach to the workforce we have to have something that's uh, somewhat customizable and, and speaks to the individual. And so I think that is also a big driver. And and then the one of the third parts is really, there is sort of this huge influx in emerging technology. and And some of those technologies are really reshaping the way that we are approaching the tasks within the financial management workforce. So we're trying to then find a way where you can Uh, match the experiential learning to keep up with the pace of emerging technology. And so it really takes this different approach to to actually bring that to our workforce. So we can, again, we can work with those technologies as opposed to working against them.
0: Right. Now, the other folks chime in. I mean, so are you also seeing this just kind of a new challenges and types of work, you know, skill sets that are needed for folks coming in with all this, like the RPAs and the, you know, the fancy new things that are happening?
2: Absolutely. That's actually related to the model that we described in the article of one of the key components for advancement of the workforce, where we want to recognize what the future workforce needs, make them ready for the future, and keep in mind that, particular to VA, we're a high concept, high touch organization. Mm-hmm. Nothing more high concept than dealing day to day with people's needs and health and wellness, and that we won't be replacing people anytime soon, right. but we will need to make their work less manual and free them up to do the analysis that will better apply the resources the American taxpayer trusts in us. So Leroy,
0: it sounds like we have a little change management effort that's needed here. So. Uh What do you think what do we need to do to help folks embrace these
3: changes yeah what i find interesting is that when people hear the word change it kind of does some things to them right Uh, meaning they feel like they're going to get kind of swallowed up you know in the midst of this change but what leadership has to do is reframe that argument right meaning number one the employee is a high value asset in the change meaning they're not expendable um there may be some things that we need to do to develop them make them stronger make them better but again we're going to take you along with us in the change, right? And so in that process, what you have to do is uh, help people understand, right, the change or try to understand their perspective or their view of the change, right? Um, once you get an understanding of that, um, I like to do what is called a conduct a, a gap analysis, right? Meaning you know where they are, you know, um, and then now you know where they're trying to take them to. What's the difference? What's the delta um, in that, okay? And then when you do an extensive uh, change management exercise, you want to be able to train that gap. I know a lot of times We focus on the system the future what we're trying to get them to be but actually you're going to have to take some time to train you know you know the difference you know in their ideology their mindset their methods um, so that you can get the optimum results and so I think that's the best way for an organization to move along and get the best results you know for the change that they're trying to implement.
0: Right. And, and so what are some of the things that you learned from some of these efforts that you've done at VA?
3: Yeah, it, what's interesting is that, you know, when people's feelings get involved, especially in dealing with a payroll system that touches every single person in the organization and they have some fears, some apprehensions about not getting paid, um, If especially if they've had experience where the system has failed them, um, you're going to have to really understand the problems and deal with them head on. The one thing that I realized is that it was always important to be transparent um, with our stakeholders, with our customers, because literally you have to tell them the good, the bad, the indifferent, and so that they could actually trust you when you tell them something great is going to happen and that you've actually made a change to, to their benefit.
0: Right. It's not just. Here's all the happy news. Here's the real news. You know, here's what's really
3: going to happen. Exactly, and I think that that's what people, you know, grew to expect. You know, from the project, because at first there was a lot of distrust. But when I'm telling them, no, yeah, we actually did jack up your paycheck, and so let me show you what we're going to do to correct it and wor- work with you side by side, then there's a trust that is gained there, and then they actually become champions of the change that you are trying to implement. Right. And so guess what? You can then stop selling. You can kind of sit back and you know enjoy the fruits of your labor because now you you've won a person that can actually go out and win others so
0: so uh, absolutely that's that's a great point now uh, let's let's talk to David over here who's waiting for a question (laughs) yeah Uh, so let's talk about the customer um, or you know the let's say the user experience Uh, the user experience seems to be a very critical element for reimagining our workforce so um, you know what how would you explain how would organizations go about you know focusing on the the user experience
1: yeah no that's great I mean I think the word that you used customer focus is the right idea. when you look at even in the federal workforce you have to look at your program offices and your employees as customers of your service. services an example that Leroy just gave if you are an organization that was trying to sell to somebody the payroll services that you're providing if you have an irate customer or you have customers that are happy you have to deal with that in the right way so similarly you want to deal with your employees and your program offices that you support as an organization the same way you have to look at them differently the thing to note too is that everybody's different Mm -hmm. so what motivates them is different what they're looking for in a way to achieve or what they consider success is different so you have to be able to understand that engage that and don't take for granted that you think you know Mm -hmm. I mean I think that's a great lesson don't take for granted that you know what their motivations or their ideas of success are you have unconscious bias as to what you would think people's motivations or successes are so understand that and then take the time to talk to your customers gather feedback from your customers so you can understand what it is that motivates them and what they think success is also make sure that you provide the feedback down as to what you see as success so they understand what they need to do to achieve that success so a lot of it is about just like you would do with any customer having consistent feedback amongst the two of you so you guys all know where you're going and where you're heading and what is interesting and motivating and exciting to you.
0: Well, great. Well, so Amy, I have a question for you. So you developed a framework for, you know, how we could approach advancement of the workforce itself. I believe you call this the LEAD model. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Absolutely. I'd like to start with our why first. To borrow from a, a great book, a great author, Simon Sinek, we believe that va employees when they're engaged and developed will change the lives of veterans and their families for the better mm-hmm. so lead stands for it starts with learning which i love and breaks out into three areas and first being enhancement this in particular right now where we're talking about the financial management community the functional area we don't want to retrain uh, our teams They come to us, luckily, a lot of our our executives or our mid-level managers have already had careers in other places, but how can we develop their competencies across the financial management spectrum? The A for advancement, which we talked a little bit about, knowing that we are going to have robotic process automation, we are going to be in an artificial intelligence world, but we are not going to be getting rid of people. We're going to propel their possibility with with advancement. Mm-hmm. And finally development, which at the VA we're focusing on leadership development. We have servant leadership as our foundation. We have three simple ways to remember what a, a servant leader is. I'll come back to that. But development f- at f- of leadership at every level in three major groups are emerging leaders and team leaders where we establish those leadership competencies. It's never too soon to start our first-line supervisors where we grow their leadership competencies. And who's doing, who's helping that growing? It's really our managers and our senior leaders who at at their level are honing their abilities to coach, to mentor, to develop our future leaders. And we have that great pipeline coming, again, from our emerging leaders, team leaders, and first-line supervisors.
0: So you mentioned servant leadership. Tell us a little bit about, what, what does that mean exactly?
2: Well, servant leadership, not a new concept, certainly. We talk about its origins in in the article. We think it's particularly applicable at VA where we are serving those who have served and in our support areas like financial management, like human resources, we're serving those who serve veterans and so we, we talk about, I'd like to say three things about servant leadership, because it's like milk, eggs, and toilet paper. When you go to the grocery store, you can remember it easily. Right. Nice, <laughs> nice. So first and foremost, servant leaders are self-aware. Last year, Forbes said, this is the single greatest uh, factor towards, for great leadership, single key to great leadership. Mm-hmm. And that's not just uh, arriving at a certain place. You don't suddenly wake up self-aware. It's a journey and a process and it takes more than the individual. So we like to also talk about the opportunity to again have coaches and mentors and peer groups that can support that um, development. Servant leaders of course put others before self. I like to call this the meat in the sandwich. It's sandwiched between being self-aware and balancing results in relationships because we don't want leaders who are doormats and we have a mission from the american people on behalf of them to serve our veterans to balance delivering for that with taking care of our people and as far as relationships go balancing sometimes means something is more important than the other but overall you're able to reach that balance and be a good servant leader
3: well
0: sean i'm coming back to you now so um again the article is is going to be speaking about some of the um some suggestions for how organizations and employees can collaborate together to kind of develop their paths to success. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And
4: and so it really, it really starts with the fact that people inherently want to be successful, um, and through that, people tend to crave information on what that looks like. Uh, so so this concept of developing a career success path takes this concept that Dave talked about earlier, this customer centric view, right? We can't have this one size fits all. So it's sort of creating this foundation, this framework that says, here's sort of the expectations we have, but outside of that, you as the employee should be envisioning what you see as success for yourself. We're gonna tell you, or give you some insight into what the organization feels like a success, and then you match that up. And, And what it is, is you ultimately have this tangible, whether it's a document, platform, some form of information that says, here's where you are in your career. You've told us where you want to go, and this is gonna help you get there. It's you're going to have a path from where you are today, to where you wanna be in the future. And then Amy made a great point earlier is, the intent behind this is not to have the employee set out on their own to do this. We really can't emphasize the value of coaching enough. Mm-hmm. And so partnering someone up with a coach that has been through the process and can provide that guidance throughout the path, not just on a you know yearly basis to say, hey, you're doing a great job, Um, really to provide the guidance that says, hey, my path says I need to do X, Y, and Z. What does that mean? How have you done that? How do other people do it? So it really is being highly transparent into setting expectations for employees um, so that how they vision success for themselves in their career, they have a clear path to get there.
0: All right, well, I think we're uh, getting near wrapping up here, and I wanted to ask each of the panel members here to uh, kind of give us their one of their key takeaways or what would you like folks to really get out of this article. So why don't we start with Mr. David Fitz. Thanks. I would say that just listening
1: to the group this morning, a couple light bulbs went off. And the, the main one, the self-awareness thing to me um, really hits home because there's a key point of being self-aware, and that's also being open. So we talked. I talked about customer-centric, well you also want to be able to hear what your customers are saying even if it's not good and then take that to heart and do something about it and that's how you become self-aware if you're getting that type of feedback and willing to hear it and then act upon it that's self-awareness and that is something that coaches mentors colleagues everybody can help people become better leaders and help to motivate and you know, move people through their success into their career path. And be passionate about it. I think everybody that's sitting here today, the reason why we're here is because we're passionate about people and their success. And I would say that's another huge factor is to be passionate about your people, your customers, if you will.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I love the passion. <laughs> so Amy, how about yourself? What do you what do you think?
2: I have two words. Semper disco. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? In Any case anyone thinks I'm talking about music out there, I am also. I always want to be learning. Semper Disco is Latin for that. It's also so much fun to say, and those are my takeaways. If I get to have two, pretty please. Learning, which is a continuous process, and fun, which will keep people engaged. All right, Leroy,
3: your turn. You know, when I sit here and I think about the fact of reimagine, right, that means you got to have a goal, right? Meaning you have to show people exactly where you want them to be, right? And so that when we talked to Sean, talk about that path to get there. If you don't lay this out, you're going to find yourself, you know, off the trail. You know, you may find these detours, these hiccups or whatever. And even though you kind of see what's going on, you have no idea how to get there. And so literally we have to do both, not only show people what the future looks like but we have to give them incremental paths to get to that goal it may take a year it may take five it may take ten whatever that would be but if you lay it out and give people an opportunity to be able to mark that path to get there then if they don't get there they have no one to blame but themselves right but us as leaders have to be able to lay this out so that people have the same opportunities across the board to get to the the career success the success of the organization that we all want to see
0: all right. And Sean, you're the, you're the last one up here.
4: Yeah, I think one of the, the key takeaways for me is you know, OPM and, and the government have uh, produced a lot of great material that is a, is a good foundation. I think the takeaway from this is take that for what it is a foundation, but don't just do that, right? We have to be super creative in how we attract and, uh, and retain our, our talent particularly given this shift in the financial management workforce and the technology. You know, we've got the likes of Amazon moving in. They're going to be taking some of these people who are highly technologically advanced. So we've got to be creative and think about how do we make people want to continue and be public servants and work for VA or other Uh, public service organizations and so really i think the the key for this is doing that above and beyond being creative and how do we how do we accomplish our goals through attracting and retaining our talent
0: well great no i appreciate all the insights and uh Actually, we had some technical difficulties today, but I'm going to make it seamless through the magic of editing. (laughs) So we had our little podcast go up and down, but I think uh, we all got it in here, and I'm happy that uh, we we were able to make it work. So I appreciate you all coming out today, and I look forward to the article in the winter edition, right? Yes, sir. Thank Thank you, Paul. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. Look for that article coming out soon in the Winter Journal course aga cgfm you can find all our other wonderful podcasts and all kinds of goodies so i think uh, the best way to go out here is just as amy said semper disco